welcome everyone and thank you so much for joining us. My name is Michael Fraud and I'm the Assistant Program Director for Drisha. Uh, very excited to have everyone here for our pre-Pesach Yom Iyun today on Seder and Sacrifice, Pesach in Historical Perspective. Uh, we're going to have two sessions back to back uh, today. And uh, I'm very happy to have everyone here for the beginning of our first session, Adoption or Resistance, the Structure of the Seder and the Greco-Roman Symposium with Dr. Eger Furstenberg. Uh, Dr. Furstenberg is the chair of the Talmud department at Hebrew University of Jerusalem, where his research focuses on the history of early rabbinic literature and law within its Greco-Roman context. In his publications, he has examined the emergence of the rabbinic movement, as well as the evolution of the Mishnah. And his current project aims to integrate rabbinic legal activity into its Roman provincial context. He is also the founder and has served as a co-gabbai of Hakel, uh, Minyon Shivyoni Vaka. Uh, we're very excited for this class, which is gonna explore the ways in which, uh, while both Jewish and Christian authors in antiquity openly confronted Greek and Roman practices of dining and celebration, uh, the rabbis shaped the most important meal of the Jewish calendar year in very similar ways to the Greco-Roman Symposium. So we're gonna be exploring the cultural significance of this choice. Uh, and while various scholars have debated this question, Dr. Persenberg is going to be providing a new perspective on this issue through a close analysis of the structure of the Seder in the Mishnah. But with that, I'm gonna turn it over to Dr. Persenberg and uh, very excited to learn together with everyone today. Thank you very much, Michael. Shalom to everybody from uh, Jerusalem. Um, I'm privileged to sit in my office on uh, Mount Scopus right now. And um, as <laughs> Michael uh, described my own work, and I'm, I, very, I very much appreciate the, the kind uh, um, presentation, I, um, my work focuses on the um, the cultural and legal context of the rabbinic of rabbinic activity, and one thing, um, I mean, with the rabbis in, in the first centuries um, were active within the Roman Empire, had close uh, 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 contact with 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 the Greek speaking uh, um, uh, 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 Greek speaking uh, inhabitants of the empire. Um, they, they knew some kind of, uh, on some level, Greek, uh, 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 Greek rhetoric. They were aware of some names in the Greek world. They were very much challenged by the cultural alternative of the Greco-Roman world. So one thing that, 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 that is always in the background of my own work and in, in, in a sense also of the of, the, of, of trying to understand the big project of the rabbis is, is how to understand their, the way they accommodate to um, the, the cultural surroundings uh, and uh, how to understand the, 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 their acculturation of, of, the, of, the, of the Roman world. Now, the, there is a, one big problem and that will be the issue that will, that will that will lead us today in our discussion. The big problem is, and it's, it's, it's again and again, I encounter this question in my own work, 
is what is the cultural significance of a partial resemblance? Okay, I'll say that again, because that, that's exactly the point. When you compare the rabbis, their own world, their own activity to Greek and Roman uh, activities, intellectual, uh, legal activities around them, so it always seems that it's somehow very similar, but not exactly, doesn't exactly fit. The rabbis didn't, didn't really speak Greek, they didn't really speak Latin, they weren't really involved on the one hand. On the other hand, you read, uh, for example, Pirkei Avot, and you have a feeling there that you have something of, of a Stoic Roman philosophy, ethic, ethic, ethical philosophy. You read the Mishnah on, on the law, and you say, this is not exactly Roman law, but this is something very similar. It's, we always encounter a partial resemblance. And when you have a partial resemblance, you can go two opposite directions, right? One direction would be that the, the, that the rabbis are adopting, right? They're taking ideas, practices from their surrounding and they're adopting it to their own, to their own world. They appreciate what they see around them and they're adopting. But when you, depend, but if you see the 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 full half of the 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 glass or the empty one right so the the, the other possibility would be that there is a resemblance because they're living within the same world obviously even if you're the most uh separatist group you're still part of a larger culture but so 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 although there is some level of, of of similarity what they're really trying to do is to separate themselves from, from the world around them and, and trying to, to be more different than, than, than similar. And, and, and again, because the, 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 it's, it's always very complicated, that's a fact. The, the, there's never a simple way. And the rabbis also don't, are, don't, are, don't offer us a reflection of their own practices. They have the law, they have the halakha, and they don't say we are for the Romans, we are adopting, we're not adopting. So you have to, we have to try to find ways to, uh, we have to try to find ways to understand rabbinic ideology through this kind of encounter and partial encounter with their surrounding. So the Seder, the Pesach Seder is maybe the most famous case for such a question because what you do find in the Pesach Seder very famously, there are multiple features of the Seder that are similar to the Greco-Roman banquet and specifically to the symposium, the festive drinking together after the meal. And here I should just be clear about the terms that we're using, right? The Romans would come together for a, for a feast, for a banquet, and uh, later on, I'll give a more detailed structure, but they would come together, they would recline on the couches. If you want, I'll show you, I'll show you a, a nice uh, picture uh, or, or, or a mosaic showing, you see them reclining. This is a mosaic I, I personally like very much. They're reclining on the, uh, on the couches, the, the, the structure of the couches changed in the first centuries, but anyhow, you like this half, this, this uh, half a circle and you have the slaves giving them all the food and you have, this is part of the celebration 
and uh, they would drink together. They would they would they would sing together. You would have actors coming and showing and 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 uh, 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 performing. And um, the, the, you have the banquet and the symposium, literally meeting, drinking together, symposia, drinking together the wine. They would have that would come on a later the later stage after the meal after the meal itself. So. Um, so you have the drinking, and you have also, and we'll see that more in a moment. You have uh, these are this is an occasion to have discussions. If you're a if you're a group of learned philosophers or whatever, you would you would develop a, a, a whole philosophical or or literary discussion. It would be an opportunity for for a more elaborate way of of, 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 of of philosophizing. So you have, we have this, um, this occasion of feasting together, reclining, eating, drinking, talking over the food, talking about the food, talking about uh, uh, literature and philosophy. And that all that in very general terms is quite similar to what happens in Lel that we all know that everybody must recline, lehasev, right? We all know that drinking is a major aspect of, of the structure of Lel We all know that there is the halel, the singing, and there is the more philosophical talk, right? We talk all night, if, uh, or, or as long as we can, we talk about the, 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 the exodus from Egypt, and we do that while we're eating. So you can, so, so you can easily imagine the people here, uh, the food here is not kosher, I checked, you can see on the floor, but in general, otherwise you can, it's easily imagine, right, this kind of, of drinking wine, talking and, and, and shared, uh, shared uh, festivity, uh, to be like a Jewish, to, to be this Jewish uh, event, the Lil Hasid. Now- I'm sorry, what was the occasion? What is the occasion for the symposium? No, there is no, there is no specific occasion. Any so it could be done every day or once a year. Or yeah, I mean, you can decide if you want to come together. You, there's no, there's no set fixed uh, occasion for such a symposium. Again, it would mean again, and I have to, uh, uh, I have to uh, 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 emphasize that the symposium is in making the meal. Uh, 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 adding to the meal, you have the basic meal, but once you decide to continue on, so you continue into the into the symposium, to the drinking together after the meal. Um, now, so I mean, long ago scholars noticed the the similarity, and they 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 were they 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 were discussing what what is the significance of the similarity. And again, as I said before, when you have a partial similarity you'll have two opposing options. One option is to say that the, that the rabbis and later the Haggadah of Pesach chose the symposium as a model for shaping their own form of discussion and teaching. So if you have the, the temple is been, has been destructed, you have to recreate this important meal in new ways Focus not on eating the, the sacrifice, but on talking and teaching and delivering the ideas of, of Lela Sede. So how do you do that? You take the model of the symposium, the dominant cultural model of the Romans, and you adapt it and adapt 
right? Adapt elements from it. Obviously, it won't be 100% the same thing, but it's so similar. So you'll have, you would have, you would, th this is, this is your model. And the person that represents this is a famous article by Sigrid uh, Stein, The Influence of Symposial Literature on the Literary Form of the Pesach Haggadah. Uh, and he develops this idea the most, and I'll just read one, one paragraph from his article uh, um, many years ago. Um, so he points out specific elements that are similar, like the reclining, like specific uh, uh, foods that you eat and talk on. Those are ideas that you find in, in, in the symposium. But more than words and dinner habits are here involved. Since Plato, a literary species, the so-called symposia has developed in which a description was given of a banquet held by a few learned men who had met at a friend's house to discuss scientific, philosophical, ethical, aesthetical, grammatical, dietetic, and religious themes over a glass and very often over a barrel of wine after they had dined together. So they dined together and they continued the discussion uh, afterwards. Plutarch, one of the most famous contributors to sympotic literature and the younger contemporary of Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Lazar ben Azari, and Rabbi Akiva, and Rabbi Tafon summarizes earlier practice and a theory in the following manner. A symposium is a communion of serious and mirthful entertainment, discourse, and action. So this is the way we really uh, make most of the event, right? Enjoy ourselves, but also use it for, for studying. So it is meant to further a deeper insight into those points that were debated at table for the remembrance of those pleasures which arise from meat and drink is ungenital and short-lived, but the subject of philosophical queries and discussions remain always fresh after they have been imparted and they are relished by those who were absent as well as by those who were present at dinner. So, so you have this form of elevated kind of, of joy through the, through the discussions in the symposium. So you can see the rabbis taking these ideas and implementing them into their own practice after the destruction of the temple. Now, uh, against this position, in, uh, a contrary position was promoted by Baruch Boxer in a book called The Origin of the Seder. And he has a chapter inside his book called a Jew, what the title is, uh, a Jewish symposium, question mark, right? Is it true? Is it, is, is it is the best explanation of the event? Uh, now, Boxer admits that there are some elements that are similar, but he says that that is the result of the fact that the rabbis are living within a general environment, a Greco-Roman environment. Furthermore, he shows that both Jewish and Christian writers of the time are aware of these kinds of these kinds of feasts, and they 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 make sure to present their own their own way of dining in a, in a contrast to the to the Roman way. So the Roman is not a model, but it's a negative model, and. A, if brings a few ex uh, examples, but a very good example is Philo, a person that we, a, a Jewish a Hellen, a Hellenistic philosopher living in Alexandria in the first century, 
writing in Greek, I mean, he's like the most Hellenized Jew we know of the period. So if, if there is someone that we can say that he really, that he really absorbed uh, uh, Greek and Roman ideas, it's Philo. But when he comes to describe the, 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 the meal of a group of Jews that he called Therapoita, and this is like a sectarian group in his book called The Contemplative Life, and he wants to, so when he tries, when he describes their gathering, he emphasizes that the, the whole structure of the, all what they do is in opposition to the way the Romans feast. So you see that the model is a negative model, and I'll, I'll read a few lines. I wish also to speak of their common assemblages and the cheerfulness of their convivial meals as compared with those of other people. Some people, when they have filled themselves with strong drinks, behave as though they had drunk not wine, but some witch poison charged with frenzy and madness and anything more fatal that can be imagined to overthrow the reason. Some perhaps may approve the method of banqueting now prevalent everywhere through uh, hankering for the Italian expensiveness and luxury emulated both by Greeks and non-Greeks who make the arrangements for ostentation rather than festivity. So he knows very well the kinds of the kind of feasts that that, that that happen. And he even knows that there are models of symposium that are positive on the Holy Sabbath. There is even Plato's uh, Plato's symposium and Xenophon. These are classical literary models of 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 of, of a symposium, yet even these, if compared with those of our people who embrace the contemplative life would appear as mat matters for derision. So th the way you distinguish your own people from others is by means of the, creating a different mode of eating or different mode of dining and, uh, and feasting. So you have the 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 the, the wild uh, the, you have the wild feast and you have our own and we're we really know how to do it in order to to uh, uh, um, to develop the correct uh, contemplation or to enable the the contemplation and not only be uh, 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 create a, a some kind of uncontrolled uh, um, uh, party. Now the so is there a way to, to, is there a way to uh, decide, to determine what was the rabbi's intention? Were there more in favor of this model or did they make sure to distinguish themselves from that model? How do we, how do we check that, right? Is there, is there a textual way? Now I'm a, I'm a scholar of text. So I return to the, to the rabbis, return to the Mishnah, Right? And again, the rabbis never give explicit statements about their intention. That's not the way, it's not their form of, of expression. Their form of expression is detailed halacha. And from the details of halacha, we can try and reconstruct their intention. So there is one very strong boxer uh, um, taking his model from Philo uh, it says also the rabbis are doing the same thing. In fact, he, when you look at the Seder in the Mishnah, he says there's, the Mishnah is very, very much structured. 
It's very careful. The amount of wine that you drink is very precise. It's very, I would say in general, the Seder is a ritualized event. It has clear, clear rules. It's not like the very uh, 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 fluid, uh, uh, fun event of, of, the, of, the, of, of the symposium. So even if they're aware, I mean, he says they are aware of it, but in order to make sure that it's different, that it's sober, that it's in control, they give you very detailed halachot, right? Now, the best example, I think, the best case for, uh, for this argument is, is from uh, the Mishnah at the end of the Mishnah at the end of the of, of the Seder in, in Tractate Psachim and Masechet Psachim. The one of the last laws is One may not conclude the Pesach lamb, the Pesach, with an Afikoman. Now the problem is what is we don't know what the word fikuman is when you read the Mishnah. What does it mean? So, so here are some interpretations that are offered already in the by the rabbis in the Tosefta and in the Devushalmi, and they're all they're different, but they all come together to one general kind of picture. What is the fikuman? The fikuman, the Tosefta uh, uh, suggests that fikuman are nuts, dates. Pitzuchim, what I, I don't know how to say that in English, all kinds of things that you that you eat, toasted stuff that you eat. Now, um, uh, or according to the Yerushalmi, singing, right? You have these singing or sweets that you bring out, or even a very delicate kind of foods, very 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 uh, intricate kind of of of, uh, of delicacies. Now. Uh, and the last interpretation that one should not leave one group and join another group. You can't move from group to group. So if you take all these, all these are examples of a fikoman. So if you take them all together, what you get is an after, what we would call an after party. So you after, the, the Mishnah said, you finished with the meal, you finished with the Pesach, right? Do not continue on with your partying all night. Do not uh, leave your own group and go party with others. Do not stroll around the, 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 the streets to find others to party with. Do not uh, just, uh, just uh, uh, have, you know, just, just take more to eat and then, and, and then just continue on with all these, 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 uh, 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 these, uh, uh, um, uh, this uh, just just fun stuff that you do during the night. I know my son that that's what he does all night when he's in uh, uh, Shabbat with his friends after the meal. So he goes out of the house and then he sits and he has this all the nuts that he eats and he, he moves around from place to place. That's what you do. That's what no. So the Mishnah says no. You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to continue with this after party. And Lieberman, who's the the, the authoritative. Uh, 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 commentator on the Tosefta, I'll, I'll translate, says when the party, when the wild party would come to its peak, people would go from house to house and make others join them in the party. And then they would, they, they would just, just go around the city and enjoy themselves. So, 
So this, so the, the mission, what the mission is doing according to this interpretation is exactly setting the limit, saying we're aware of the fact that regularly the symposium continues with these parties, but we're not like that. So using a Greek word, epikomion, going out, using this Greek word and saying, oh, this is the limit. It's similar. You're right. We had all parts of the meal, and, and including we had some, some uh, uh, quite a few uh, glasses to drink. But stop there. Don't continue. Don't think that this is the standard Greek uh, a wild uh, uh, party, and we have to put we have to have limits. So so that's I think that's a strong that's a strong argument to say that the rabbis are aware of the similarity and trying to limit it. What I what what I want want to do is make the argument more more subtle. We're right, and I want to use, uh, and I want to, if you ask me, do I agree with Stein or with Boxer? I agree with neither of them, actually. I offer a third way to understand what the rabbis are trying to do. Uh, until now, we spoke in like, uh, 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 we, there was a dichotomy. Are we like the non-Jews? Do we, we act like them or do we resist? this kind of activity. And I think what the rabbis are, are suggesting is more, more subtle. But in order to understand that, we have to look more carefully into the structure of the Seder. And here, I'll, I'll try and I uh, just uh, survey the structure of the meal. That's, I think, the most important thing in order to understand, also an important way to prepare to, to, to the Seder is to understand the structure of the meal. But before talking about the Seder, I'll talk about the standard meal. The rabbis also describe the structure of a standard meal. And how do they do that? They do that in the Masechet Brachot, when they talk about blessings. When you bless, uh, what part of the meal do you, do you do the blessing on the food? So the, 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 the Tosefta actually gives us a very insightful description of the way they would, the structure of the standard meal. Again, not the standard meal, uh, 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 but maybe maybe a, a high class meal. But still, this is not not a unique, not not something that happens uh, only uh, uh, once a year. Ketzad sedel suda. What is the order of the meal? The order of the meal has is divided into two structures, to two stages. First stage: guests come in and sit down on top of benches and on sofas. A soft seats at, uh, uh, until all guests come in. That's the first stage. At that stage, they, the servants, wash their hands, and they wash only one hand, because this is a stage of the hors d'oeuvres. They're not eating the full meal. They don't need two hands. They only need one hand, right, to eat the, 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 the vegetables or the, 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 the appetizers, right? So they wash one of their hands, and they say a blessing on, on the appetizer that they're eating. And they're still sitting. They're not reclining because this is not the main part of the meal yet. They're sitting around waiting for everybody to come in. Once they're ready, they move to the center of the traklin. The traklin is where the couches are set around uh, in like a U-shape. Right, and they lie on the, they recline on the sofas, and that's the second stage. After the guests have gotten up from their temporary seats, moved to the main eating hall, and reclined on the beds, there, 
the servants again wash their hands and again they drink wine. This is the second time they're getting wine, right? They're washing both hands. They're again uh, drinking wine. And the, the, the Tosefta tells us they, they have to say the blessing again. That's a technical issue that the Tosefta is concerned with, how many times we have to say the blessing. But you see here a clear distinction between the stage of the appetizers and the main part of the meal. And each stage opens with a, with a, a glass of wine, right? Now, this is a standard meal. Now, we also know from other sources, not here, but we know from other sources that um, it's, it's very interesting that, that, that some, it, it even describes, and then bring the whole text, it even describes that at some point you're not allowed to enter the meal anymore. It's not, um, uh, uh, it's, it's rude to come late. So after some stages, it's close the door and, um, and, and, and don't allow any more, any more um, guests to come in. Now, what, we know that besides these two stages, when we end the meal, that's a standard practice on the on the on Birkat Amazon, on the uh, 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 on the last blessing, on the over the food, we also drink wine, right? There's there also that wine just just to end the meal. So we so a basic meal a basic meal is one one course. Uh, a festive meal is a course with appetizers, right, that we have appetizers before, and then we have two glasses, and with the two glasses, we have a third glass in the Birkat Amazon at the, at the end of the meal. Against this background, let's move to the structure of, of Lela Sedel. Now, it's very important to see that linguistically, this is the 10th chapter of Masechet Tzachim, linguistically, all of the chapter is built around the glasses of wine. There are four glasses of wine, and the, every stage of the meal is defined by the glass by the glass of wine. I'll just just I I I I, I put it in bold so you can see. First, we have the first cup in Mishnah two. Then you have the second cup. That's the main part, and we'll talk about this in a moment. And then you have the third cup over Birkata Mazon, the best addiction over the meal and then you have the fourth cup of the halil right now what is the relationship so now you, again you see another structured meal but what is the relationship between this big structured uh, event to the basic meal that we saw in the previous text so I think it's very easy and it has uh, I mean it, it, it has implications when we compare we understand better things that don't are not explicit in the Mishnah, in Psachim, but we can understand them from the comparison. So the first cup is like the first cup that we saw above at the stage of the appetizers. And indeed, after Mishnah 2 talks about the Kiddush, how you say the Kiddush of the first cup, right? Then, number three, when the table is brought before him, it doesn't say what you bring before him, but I think the most simple interpretation is they bring a table because if you remember from the picture I had here, they don't have one table that they sit around. Each or a few of, of the people have the table and they bring the tables in and out with the new dish, right? So if you, uh, 
you have the, the first table. And what do they have on the first table? Appetizers. Metabel bachazeret. Right? You have this lettuce and you dip it. You dip the lettuce. And that is the, that is the, that's a vegetable. That's what we call kalpas in our, uh, in our, uh, today, that's what's called the stage of the kalpas. That's the appetizer. And that's what they do. And they just nash on the, on the appetizer until they come to the breaking of the bread, to the main, to the main meal. So there, there is some stage, the first stage, you don't say what, what's happening here, actually. It's like the first stage in the previous text. There's no instructions of what should happen. This is appetizer, we just nash. We eat vegetables until we get to the main part of the meal, including, of course, the matzah, including the sacrifice in, during, during, uh, the, uh, in, in the temple, right? Then we get to the second cup. Now, the second cup is the cup of the main meal, as we saw in the previous text. So that would mean that they take the first, uh, the first uh, table and bring again a table with the main course, and then they have the second cup. The biggest problem when reading the Mishnah, this chapter, is that it never says when you eat the meal. Most of us, I think, suffer from the fact that the Mishnah doesn't say anything explicit about it, and we wait with the meal until after all the talking. In, in the Mishnah, after all the talking happens only here, where you see all the, the, this blank space, here is food in our structure of our Haggadah. But that's not what the Mishnah says. The Mishnah doesn't say that you wait until after all the talking. I mean, you, what you have here, again, just to sh see, sh show you, it has here, it says you bring the food, you bring the second table. After the first table of the appetizers, you bring the main course. You, the, you, you uh, pour the second cup, right? And then you talk, 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 talk. And then you have the benediction over the meal with the third cup. So when do you eat? I think the most simple assumption is, and again, that's why I'm saying we have to compare the two texts. We know that you eat when you drink the second cup. How do we know that? We know that from this previous text that we saw, right? After coming and reclining from going into the main course and reclining and washing the hands again, getting a glass of wine, and now you start the main meal. That's the second, that's the meaning of the, the standard meal. The Mishnah doesn't even have to say that you eat because that's the standard meaning of the second cup. What the Mishnah adds is that the second cup, Mishnah adds that the second cup is used not only for eating, not only for eating, because you already have the, 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 the main course in front of you. Look, the Mishnah says that. Until he comes to the breaking of the bread, they bring before him, this is the main course, the unleavened bread and lettuce and the chavoset and the, and the meat. Now, should we assume that it sits on the table and gets cold, right? 
until we finish all our talking or should we assume that we brought out the meal and we'll start eating? But at the same time, we also talk, right? And so I think that's, a, that's, the, that's the most simple understanding of the, of, of the Mishnah. First, first glass for the appetizers, second glass for the main meal, including all the talking. And what, what, is the, what, the, what, the, what does the talking include? First, it includes the questions, as we know, the Arba Kushiot, the, the son asks his father, etc. Then we have the, the, the Midrash, right, with basic principle of beginning with disgrace and ending with glory, saying the story of, of Yetziat Mitzrayim from the disgrace to the glory, and then saying, interpreting Pesach, Matzah, Umarol, the meaning, the symbolic meaning of each of these foods. And then after, and then reciting, starting to recite the Halel. And here's capping something strange. We don't finish the reciting the Halel. We finish the meal with the third cup. And then the Mishnah says very briefly, over a fourth cup, he completes the Halel and says it after, and says after it, the benediction over the song, what's called Birkat Hashir, the big Halel, the large Halel, Hodul Hashem Kitov, that's the, the, this is the stage, after the Birkat Hamazun. So if we, on, on, on the most technical level, on the, stru, on, the, on the structural level, what is the relationship between the, uh, the, between the Seder and the, um, the symposium? Where is the symposium with, within? How do we identify the symposium with all, within this structure? I think the simple answer is here in the fourth cup. Because until the third cup, we're within the standard meal. Have a first course, main course, Birkat Amazon. But here comes another thing that doesn't, we don't have anywhere else. We have a fourth cup. The fourth cup adds another stage. And that stage is regularly called a symposium, the stage that we drink together. So when we when we, so it's clear, it is clearly a structure of a symposium. Right? So the rabbis are 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 doing something that is that they're that they're borrowing from the the from their cultural environment. But at the at the same time, we must notice that it is a strange way to borrow the, 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 the practice of a symposium, the structure of the symposium, right? Because, Can I ask a question? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we talk here about talking, talking. So from when do we read instead of talk? Because we read from right. Nagada, right? Right, that's that's, that's mean, much later. So it's it's easier to talk to eat and talk than eat and read. Can we agree on right. this? You're right. That's true. You're right. If if what happened to the Haggadah, and I mean what you're saying is something that happened much later. Uh huh. But part again, when you look at the seder, there are two basic approaches, and they're similar to the two approaches that I said before. You can either see this as a defined ritual, very precise ritual that you have to follow, right? The second model is saying, no, this gives you general instructions, right? And these now fill these instructions 
however you would however you would like right so what you what uh, 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 and now I, I, I think that the, the part of the talking it doesn't give you very specific instructions it gives you a structure it gives you you have to there are questions there are basic questions there are uh, topics that you want to talk about and from there on you can do whatever you want Right? You don't have to read a specific text. That's not, the Mishnah doesn't talk about reading. That happens much later. Only when the Haggadah, the text of the Haggadah, develops in the, in the Middle Ages. Now, I'll stop sharing. And I just... Uh, uh, Amalia, you wanted to ask something, please. Yes, I wanted to know, was there any rationale in using a Greek word, afikoman? Yeah, you have to use a Greek word. That's exactly... That's, that, that, it, 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 it's, it's the... What, you, what the rabbis are doing, they're pointing to a practice, a foreign practice that everybody is aware of and saying, do not do that practice. There's no way to use a Hebrew word in order to denote something that is a foreign practice, right? So they're using a Greek just as a, as a way to distinguish between their own way and the way others do it, okay? So, you had mentioned that the rabbis noticed there was a similarity. So obviously this wasn't noticed, they created it that way. Oh, so here, so, 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 so I want, so Amalia, let, let, me, let me just continue a bit more and you'll see where, 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 where I'm heading to, okay? I think, I think you, your, your, your comment is very good. So uh, if we return for, to, if we return to, Micha, I see your, your hand yeah. is up. Just, uh, you said that the fourth cup is like the symposium, but the symposium, it seems like they had food uh, from the, the diagram you had before, but where's the, uh, here we're saying uh, you can't have food, uh, just drink. There, you're exactly. Thank you, Micha. That's exactly the point that this, there's a, there is a tension in this text, and that's what, why, where, where I'm heading to. On the one hand, the Mishnah adds another section to the meal which is standardly identified as the symposium section. That's on the one hand. I mean, they could have done without it, right? They could have done, just had all the halal. I mean, what, what are you doing? You're finishing the halal. So say the halal in the middle of the meal, like you said the first part of the halal, right? And don't, you don't, why are you adding another section? By adding another section, that means that you're saying, look, I am, I want to model it uh, according to the, to, the, to the symposium, but you're doing something. And that's the, I think here we, we can see the, the subtlety of the, what the rabbis are doing. You're doing something. And at the same time, you are in fact undermining it. So you're, you, you're saying a statement. You're saying there is a symposium, but that is not what I, that's not the main part of my meal, right? So, and, and here comes another, in, another, another part. So what the rabbis are doing, are doing, I would say, two, uh, uh, two uh, strange things or things that are unexpected. One thing that they're minimizing the fourth cup. You're also, you're, it's only one cup and you don't eat. I mean, you can't eat anymore. So you just drink, you say the halal and that's it, right? There, it's the, there you're finished. And on the other hand, they enhance the second cup. They make the main part of the, the, the discussion, not after the meal, 
but in the middle of the meal, right? Because and here we see that right that uh, all of the discussion, in contrast to Plato, where the discussion was after the meal, when you finished eating, and then you would start having the celebration and drinking, and then when you drink, you also start saying all kinds of philosophical ideas, etc. Here. It's it, you have to you have to um, uh, 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 maintain the 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 the, the talk and uh, the, the discussion within the structure of the meal, right? So when, when the meal ends, the discussion ends, right? You haven't you haven't like a, a final part just just to have some form of minimal symposium. You have a a, a part of you finish the halal, but the main part of it is in the middle. Now, the question is, why should the rabbis, why should the rabbis uh, structure the, 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 the meal in, in such a way? So what we, so what I would suggest is that in fact, the rabbis are aware of, in fact, the rabbis are, are aware of two models for a festive eating in the Roman world. One model, which I would say is the more popular model, is this kind of partying that after you eat, you start going crazy. After you eat, you do the drinking and it's endless and there's no end to it and just enjoy and eat, etc., and go out and party. That's one model. And that is a threatening model, right? Because that, that, that there's no, there's no, there are no limits, there are no boundaries to such, such activity. And, and they're very clear to say, look, they, they create a, such a stage in order to, like Philo, I'm aware of the similarity, but here are the boundaries that I, that I, that I set and you're not allowed to do anything more. But at the same time, they are incorporating a second model. And the second model, is what I would call, or what we what we know from literature, from ancient literature, is the 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 the, um, the feast of the scholars. How does a scholarly feast look like? So it's lucky we don't have to guess. There's a text that shows us exactly how it works, and this text is called. Deipno Sophistae of, uh, of, of an author of the third century. He wrote this book more or less when the Mishnah was written. His name is Athenaeus of Naukritas. And Athenaeus, Deipno Sophist, is the meal, Deipno is meal, the meal of the learned people. Now, these learned people are not philosophers. They're much more people of the text. They're much more similar to the rabbis as we know them. And what they do is they make the meal, I mean, if we're coming together to study, what is the way to do it? Should we study over wine or should we study over food? Those are the models, because we're studying not in a study hall, in the Beit Midrash. We're coming together for, for, for a meal, to, and we want to transform it into an into intellectual event. 
So instead of, we're not Plato that, that moves into, talks about eros and love and, and, uh, and all these issues, they're having drunk wine. No, we're a much more sober model, but, and when intellectuals in the Roman world come together to eat, they use the meal as a, as a starting point for their intellectual discussions. And how do you do that? That's very simple. You bring out, the, the wine is brought out. And so one of the learned uh, and participants, as Athenaeus shows us, would say, I remember where I can quote the places in Homer where wine is mentioned. And then he starts quoting, like the rabbi that knows all the Torah uh, by heart. So he starts quoting this source. And then another one says, yes, and I, I, there, there is a difference. There are various verbs that you can use when you describe drinking wine. And then he quotes various texts just to show, to, to, to make the meal the starting point for a literary activity, studying literature through the meal, right? So, and, 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 and that creates like an appetite as you, as you eat, you're, you, you connect to the sources and you, that's a starting point to, 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 to walk through these texts. And that's actually what also happens in the Seder uh, itself, right? We have the foods, Pesach, Matzah, Umaro, these main parts of the meal, right? And each of them we use to, we, 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 we connect the word with the verse, right? We mention the word, the meaning of the word, we quote the verses that they appear in, and from, that, from there we can start saying the story of the Haggadah. We use all kinds of practices of eating as indications of the, 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 event, the, the, the event that we're in, right? So, so that's a model that the rabbis did not uh, invent. It's very important to say. So the model that the fact that we're sitting around food, talking about the food and connecting it to a historical memory and to interpretation of texts, that's exactly what the deipnosophistos, the, 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 the scholars of the meal do, right? So what I'm saying is, um, what I'm saying is that if the, 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 when the rabbis are choosing one model over the other, they're not choosing, they're not saying, hey, all the Gentiles, the Goyen, have their way of feasting and I'm doing it in a different way, like Philo would say. But the rabbis are within, they, they know, they're aware of the subtle differences between, between cultural models within the Roman world and they're choosing one model and rejecting the other. They're choosing the, the intellectual model and rejecting the popular model. So it's more of, a, of, a, of a, an elitist choice of the kind of look that when we bring our children and everybody participates in the meal, everybody becomes part, part of the meal of the, of, the, of, the, of the scholars. It's a scholarly meal. And everybody has to take part in it, ask questions, answer, et cetera, et cetera. And, and there we end. We don't want this evening to transform into something else to transform into a symposium, okay? So I think that uh, 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 reading closely the, the Seder 
and the Mishnah can really help us answer the basic question that I asked in the opening, in my opening sentence. What is the significance of partial resemblance, right? How can we interpret the meaning of what the rabbis are doing, the complex interplay as they try to, to, to address the, 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 their cultural surroundings, right? And the halacha is the way, the, the rabbi's way to offer this kind of more complex uh, 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 solution or, or find a way path within the, the different models. And what, what I find fascinating is the fact that they're really offering something that, they're, that, the, that, that it's a subtle solution. Right? It's not black and white. It's not rejecting or accepting, but it's, it's, it's choosing a specific, specific way to, to, to uh, uh, um, uh, 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 to integrate into the cultural world. Okay, if there's a, a question, I'm, I'm glad to take it, but I, I want to leave five minutes for, for a recess. Please, Sarah. Yeah, uh, I want to ask, do you think Homer had the status of scripture in this culture. Because if Homer is not, does not have the status of scripture, I would argue that this is very significant difference. Because when we say what we say, it's not an intellectual discussion, according to my understanding. It's a very ritualistic saying. It's like a speech act. Obviously, there is a there is what you're doing is what, what the Mishnah is doing, it's taking a model and it's making it making it accessible. Everybody can participate. You're right that they're not they're not demanding everyone to be a scholar, right? But but we know. In the Seder itself, we mentioned the rabbis that are sitting all night and studying, right? So they, they are those who could develop this meal. And so what you do, you, you create a, like a, a basic, the basic structure modeled after the, this, this, this Roman form of, of scholarly talk. And now you decide to what degree you participate. I, I don't see it as 100% ritual. Right in the speech, but but that's a, but that, that's a basic tension within within the within the Haggadah. And what about? Please, yeah. No, I want to Neil ask, please. Hi. So, can you hear me? Yes, please. Hi, I'm Neil or Nachum Tversky. Um, so, isn't there an overarching, you know, halachic theme? I missed the first two minutes of your introduction, and I just call that all this is part of. Sipur Mitzrayim, and seeing, you know, through the lens of Maimonides, of which I'm trying to recall, the, the, the architecture of the Seder, you know, keeps going through Sipur, so that even the meal, which you're saying is somewhat of a separate part, if I hear your definition correctly from its being a scholar's meal, it's all part of, you know, a continuum. And that continuum, you know, is Sipur. Even maybe this is not halakhic or historical, but someplace I remember, then the fact that halal, you know, is before and after, you know, 
relates to this whole tension that you that you discuss, because it's all part of Sipur. The the unfolding of the story isn't just at the Rav and Gamliel moment. It starts, you know, from the beginning with the beginning of Magid. So. I'm trying okay. to understand within your okay. presentation. It's a whole, just to talk, I, we didn't talk about the Magid. I mean, there's much to say. I, I just, I just discussed the structure, right? And now we, have to, we would have to delve into the Magid. Just, the Mishnah doesn't talk about Sipu. The Mishnah talks about Midrash. And that's a big difference, right? The Mishnah is a scholar, presented as a scholarly practice, okay? Uh, uh, right? He 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 gives drashot of that of the of that of that section in the Torah as much as he can, right? So so uh, it's it's I think the 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 I mean a sipur is a different kind of a different way to describe the seder. I'm not sure the Mishnah uh, follows that 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 uh, that way. Okay, I'll, I think we'll stop here. Well, uh, I'm glad to see you, Dida. So and you'll, you'll, I'm sure you'll enjoy her, her shiur in a moment, but you'll, here you have a few minutes to, to rest between the shiurik. Thank you very much.